My book, Heart on Break, was pretty self-explanatory, right? Take a break from relationships to become a better man by focusing on your healing and following your life's purpose. Truth is, I don't always go deep into the personal happenings in my life that surrounded the writing of this body of work, but I will in this episode. What's up, everybody? This is Nakata, the author of Heart on Break, your metaphysical coach, and this is the I Am Nakata podcast. You know, I was a bit embarrassed about a lot of what I went through, honestly. But at the time, I definitely felt that it was necessary to extract the lessons I learned from it into a book. A book I knew I had to write, but wasn't sure if anyone would read. But I just knew I had to get it out of me. I knew I had to write this down. I knew I had to record this moment in my life because it was such a big epiphany for me at the time. By this time, I was entirely confused about what women wanted but I knew I could help men like myself get through what I was going through because I was determined to get through it but over the years you know since the release of the book I stuck to the lessons I felt were most salient you know like why men need purpose more than love the importance of believing yourself you know men being able to heal from their traumas men's health family building and those other things that I talk about in the book and that I've been talking about you know on Instagram on Facebook various different outlets YouTube all of my content, you know, I, I've chosen to stay more so in the realm of the lessons that I've learned versus what I was actually going through. So this episode is definitely for a lot of people who've been following me for a long time, who've read the book, just a little bit more insight on really what was going on in my life at that time that made it so I needed to write this book. I needed to create this content, needed to become this person that I've became and continue on my growth, of course. You know, so I would say that the absolute biggest reason I needed to write my book was no one, I mean, no one was listening to me. Everyone was only telling me what they think I should do. And, you know, the thing about that is this, even at that time, I was always a person that people listened to. And the difference that having children and having a messy situation brought was that people started to look at me from a perspective of like, oh, he's literally finally effing up. Like, so he needs to be told what to do or he's more vulnerable at this particular moment in his life. And so, you know, like his words, not really that good these days. Look at his life. Like no one wants to listen to the guy who's seemingly falling apart or doesn't have a shit together. And the other thing is, you know, with the amount of women that I had in my life, family included, a big issue was that the women weren't listening. I mean, for the most part, they were all too caught up in their own personal exploits to lend me an ear. And that includes mothers. That includes women, friends. Maybe I had one or so person who was listening for them. But for the most part, the women in my life were not listening to me circa 2015, 2016. I eventually realized that, you know, no one seemed to respect, honor or support my dreams outside of my job. And. That was it was a huge eye opener at the time, simply because I hadn't really gotten used to the fact that, you know, when you have a good job and when you're a provider and when you're all these different things that I hadn't gotten used to that. The fact that, OK, everyone depends on whether your success in that capacity and success to them is you keeping your job, not 
becoming an entrepreneur again, not branching out and doing certain things. They want you to play it safe, especially the women in your life. They want you to play it safe because they are concerned about how they benefit from you. When you play it safe as a man, you're more predictable. They can easily assess what they're going to get from you. And this includes family and friends and everyone. So playing it safe, uh, keeping your job, doing the regular thing, you know, like that's what they want from you. And if you have any dreams outside of the job, bigger than the job, you may not find yourself being supported by these people in your life who claim to love you so much. So I started to realize that, hey, like I did have aspirations to do different things. I was an entrepreneur. You know, you know how it is. Sometimes work captivates most of your time and you get a little complicit because you're making enough money you're taking care of things but you know when you're a man especially a single father and you have children and you're there for them all and playing a role in their lives almost daily then you're pretty busy it and it can keep you pretty busy to the point where you don't have any time for anything else outside of that but what i realized was the more mistakes you make and the more recent the mistakes the less the people in your life want to believe in you. Because it's like, for me, that moment or that period of time was when I became more human to my family, more human to my friends, where, you know, having the children the way I had them, where they guys were like, damn, I didn't never expected you to be in this situation. Wow, I never thought that you would have this. Oh, I never thought, you know, like, I started to realize that people didn't really expect for me to even be in the situation that I was in. And, and I was somewhat floored by it. But I learned a lot from the fact that they literally weren't expecting me to be in this position. And, and the thing about when you make mistakes in your life, whether they're in relationships, because that was it for me. The mistakes were more based on the relationships going bad, me having these children in such a short period of time with women who literally I, I hardly knew, didn't really know. And for sure, by the time they were pregnant, everyone knew that they weren't going to be in my life. So it only makes sense that these mistakes turned into, you know, resentment and various other complications because these people were unhappy with the position that they had in my life. And so when you have family, friends and others that are looking at you and seeing, you know, what where you're pretty much headed to, you know, you become the dude that's the butt of the jokes at this particular moment, in my case. And it just it didn't feel good because I had never been in that position. Here I am, 30 years old, you know, and, um, you know, my life had been for the most part like pretty, pretty fairy ish. You know, I, I, I did what I wanted, lived the way I wanted. I, you know, had a lot of things going for me, except now I'm now a father in a precarious situation with women. And I'm looking around and people are literally using this as a means to you know, not believe in me or trust me less and various other things. And I, I just didn't even think that it would turn to this. But, you know, if you were doing pretty good before the mistakes that you made in life, whether it's having children, you know, recklessly like I did or various other things that men tend to do after it, everyone now has an opinion on what you should do and are really not interested in what you truly desire for yourself. So I found that to be, you know, a bit jarring at the time. But the truth is, you know, certain type of men, myself included, I'm the type that needs to be listened to. I'm the type that needs a woman who hears me out. I'm the type that needs a mother who hears me out, a father who hears me out. And I will say that my father was 
probably the only one listening during these times, but he was also one of those trying to tell me what to do with with no regards to what I wanted to do for myself, which is pretty natural when you have older parents like I do. But I certainly didn't appreciate it. And of course, I kept my job and I did what I had to do. And I and I bit my time until I was ready to move into what I knew I was supposed to do, which would be at this point in my life, moving from the other businesses that I was involved with into becoming a publisher after writing this book and a content creator of this nature. But not being listened to really taught me a lot. And it made me realize that I wanted more out of my relationships with my family and my friends. By that time, I had already been like the dreamer kid, the one who bucked the standards, dropped out of college and, you know, did what he wanted to do and found some success in that. But I really wanted my family, my friends, but especially the women who would say that they love me. I really wanted them to be in on everything that I was doing. I really wanted them to be uber supportive of it, you know, to find ways to be supportive, even if they don't agree with some of the things that I did. And, you know, in this world where women have the most opinions these days, if they don't agree with what you want to do, or or let's just be honest, if it doesn't benefit them or it potentially doesn't benefit them the way they want to be benefited, then they're not going to agree with it, which means that they're not going to support it, which means that you are going to have a problem with the women in your life supporting what it is that you truly want to do. And that's not going to work for you. For some men, they, they can literally take this. They can literally, you know, fight against people in their families and their friends and, and all these different people who don't agree with what they want to do. But others will be diminished because of the lack of agreement. You know, others will be disencouraged by it. And for some men, they won't really go towards that purpose or that dream or that goal as enthusiastically simply because they have so many people in their lives who are not in agreement with it. And they need to understand at some point in their lives that these people aren't exactly the people you need to be surrounded by. I don't care how unrealistic your dream, vision or goal seems. If nobody around you is in support of it, they're not your people. And if you're like on some pipe dream, unrealistic shit, they need to be able to come to you, you know, logically and explain to you why this perhaps is not the best move for you. But if they can't do that and they're just against it because they want you to do something else or oh, you're talented, you're this, why you quit your job? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? If that's all you're getting from them with no one ever asking you, so, you know, what is it that you're trying to do? Like, where are you trying to go? What's the goal of this? How can I help you? I really want to help you. I really want you to be successful. Many men especially men who've gotten into situations like I did, having children prematurely or recklessly, or men who have gotten to a point in their life where they did one thing and they were pretty good at it, but they were ready for a change. Like we need our families as well as the women in our lives to be in agreement and be in support of what we're doing or else there's going to be a level of unhappiness and resentment that results from not doing it and eventually you're going to hate them. And that's just how it is. You're going to hate them. So you've got to be able to make up your mind on whether you need to be around these people or not. And I don't care what's involved. I don't care what's attached. At some point, you have to go towards what it is that's truly authentically you. And if they don't support it, they're not your people. Pardon the interruption. If you're enjoying the content that I'm sharing here on this brand new podcast, guys, please do your boy a favor and leave some reviews, leave some comments, like, share, do all that stuff. I would certainly appreciate any support that I get from you guys. And as usual, you can connect with me at IamNakata.com. 
it ain't so easy to really come to this conclusion in your life and literally move in a different direction. We've all, for the most part, had the same parents, family, friends for the majority of our lives. But the major difference that you can immediately make is that if you choose or if you've chosen a woman who does not listen to you, does not believe in you, and has a hard time lending support to you, you can change her. But like I said, depending on where you are, there might be some attachments that are already there that you're afraid to detach yourself from. But at some point, you're going to have to believe in yourself more and you're going to need people in your corner who are willing to listen to you before they offer their opinions, before they tell you what they think you should do. They need to be able to listen to you. And for the most part, this is something that a lot of men are not getting. It's a big wake up call when you realize that they're not listening to you. And it could be quite depressing that you may have to go in a different direction away from those people that you're accustomed to. But this may be what you have to do to find the tribe who's going to be more supportive of where you want to go with your life. The second major reason that I needed to write my book at the time I did was that I had too many women in my life who were literally fighting for control over me instead of being in support of me. Now, when you're young, in your 20s, potentially early 30s, and women are quite affectionate towards you, it seems like the greatest thing to have as much of that as you possibly can, right? If you're getting affection from not just the women, the women who you meet on the streets or out and about, but you know, your aunt loves you, your cousin loves you, the neighbor loves you, and you know, there's a lot of affection in your life. In many cases, that leads to a lot of men who will have more women in their lives simply because these women are so affectionate towards you. But affection and support are two different things. And having too many women in your life who claim to have affection for you, have love for you, but in reality are merely there fighting for control over you or fighting to control your resources, fighting to benefit from you, you know, various other things like because this happens sometimes, you know, as a, as a young man, you know, you may find that you got a new girlfriend or a new wife, so to speak, and your mom is in some kind of competitive banter against her or your aunts or, you know, this happens when women claim to love you, when women love you a lot. But the truth is, you don't need women fighting over who gets to benefit the most from you. And eventually this will become a major problem to any man because the fighting is not fighting to see who's going to benefit you more. Like that'll be totally different. You don't want people fighting anyways. But the truth is, if they're going to be a fight or any kind of competition, it needs to be who's going to be of more service to you, who's going to be more supportive of you, who is going to help you get to the next level of where you're going. So for me, I didn't have that. I just had a bunch of women in my life who wanted to tell me what to do, who wanted to benefit more from me, who wanted me to do this, who wanted me to do that, who wanted me to pay attention to them. And that kind of stuff, like eventually for me, it was just too much. It was just too much. And like I said, people weren't listening. And this includes the women who claim that they love me. Now, I'm in a different boat because, hey, I probably had too much. I come from a family with so many women. I'm used to this life where I had all these women chasing after me in my life, wanting a position in my life. But at that point in my life now, when children began to be more important to me than women and the women were still there, having all this shit to say that in many cases, 
does not support who I am and who I'm becoming. Like I had to just put all that shit on pause and, and let them know, like, listen, I'm not listening to y'all right now. As a matter of fact, I'm cutting you, 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 and you, and you, and you from my life. Because when family and friends defect on you, men often end up looking for consoling from women, from the relationships that we have with women. But we rarely get that from the average modern woman, at least not for long. You could come to a woman and share some of what you're going through and she'll put, you know, she'll say, lay lay your head on my shoulder. And that's only for a little period of time until she herself starts having these huge unrealistic demands of what you need to do for her or what you should be doing for her or any mistakes that you make in life takes away your humanity and you're supposed to do this. And all of a sudden now you're the worst enemy in the world. That shit really doesn't work like that, you know, because the truth is when family and friends don't agree with you you are looking for someone who does you are looking for some consoling from someone and it might as well be a woman because a lot of men especially in the early years in their 20s they don't have male friends who are there to be really in support of who they are and who they're becoming or whatever changes and complications that they have in their life you know me personally i had a complicated situation with women around the time i wrote my book i essentially got two old flame women pregnant within less than two years and with and and frankly was with them both for the majority of three years and i say two old flame women meaning that these were women who were interested in me before we had any kind of relations interested in me for a long time and they finally got an opportunity to get with me and when they got pregnant it was their opportunity because the truth is women know who they want they know who they want to have children for And they know why they want to have your children. But the truth is, many of them don't know how to be a good partner or a good support for a man who has a purpose. And when a man has a purpose in his life, he's going to place that higher than the women. And the women, in many cases, are going to be fighting for that priority position of your purpose instead of trying to help you and assist you along your life's purpose. So me personally, I made things a lot more complicated. And this is why I never really spoke about it so much because essentially I was definitely going back and forth between these women for the majority of three years, you know, and, you know, it seemed okay, but I definitely bit off more than I can chew. And eventually I realized that, you know, these women themselves didn't represent a safe place where I could talk to, where I could feel consoled, where I can feel supported. They never did. So for me, it was the first time in my life that I literally felt stuck with women that essentially I did not want. I wanted the children, of course, that were coming out of these situations and I wanted to play that role, but I did not want them. And I had been used to just coming and going as I pleased, but I was in a totally different situation at this point in my life. Now I'm having children. I want to do this. I'm here for this. But these women, yo, in my, at that time, I, I, we couldn't get along. There was just so much fighting going on for who gets to be with me, who gets to control me, who gets to benefit the most from me. And I was literally reluctantly going back and forth between the women to keep the peace. And it seemed as if they were okay with with me going back and forth between them. And that's ironic because at the time they were at odds with each other. But when I decided that I didn't want to deal with them intimately anymore, then they would 
literally join forces and become buddies. You get what I'm saying? Buddies who were against me now moving forward with somebody outside of them. It was crazy as fuck. You know, one of the things was that people would tell me at that time in my life that this shit sounds like a damn reality show. But the truth is, I didn't know these people. I was in my little sexual revolution part of my life where I was just slanging that pipe a lot. And I was more concerned with being this superior lover than I was with anything else at that time. And they caught me during that phase and I wasn't careful and I got them pregnant. And, you know, sex was a big deal to them and having me there to play the role that they envisioned in their life was very important to them as well. But nobody was ever really concerned about me. Nobody was concerned about what I wanted from my life. Nobody was concerned about my vision. You know, at some point it just became this fight over who controls me and who benefits the most from me. And you see, if I listen to some folks and consider that to be some kind of advantageous position to be in because I've got women who are literally fighting to for me like to me I I didn't I didn't see anything great about that none whatsoever because as I learned more and more about you know the the traumas associated with these people and the mindset associated with them you know I realized that I couldn't I couldn't make them be the supporters I needed I couldn't make them do anything you know it was them trying to make me do something and eventually they realized too that they couldn't fucking make me do shit and I wasn't the type of guy that they could make do anything in the first place but having my child seemed like a great opportunity to make me do something that's pretty natural and normal in this world but I just wasn't having it and having so many different women in my life including women who are in line literally, who wanted to be next, who wanted to have the next baby, all that type of stuff. I saw myself potentially becoming this dude who had a lot of children with a lot of different women. And that shit scared the shit out of me. I'll be honest. I did not want to be this guy. And that's why I haven't had any children since then, because it was such a traumatizing experience for me, because there was this level of naivety that I had. And and I tried not to be too much of the, the playboy character, especially around that time. Time. So even though I did have like all these women who were interested in me in that time and and what have you, I really wanted more than anything else just to be stable, just to settle down, just to have somebody who was going to be there and help me in the goals that I had. That's what I really, really wanted to. And that's part of the reason why I even went back and forth with these women in my life. Real talk, because I knew almost from the very beginning that nothing was going to result as far as a relationship or a marriage or anything. I knew that, but I wanted peace. I was literally going with the cheaper to keeper mentality and, and thought to myself, okay, well, if I just settle down with one, you know, I could finally be at peace and have more time and attention to focus. But I tried settling down with one or both at separate times, and it it never led to anything. These people were never going to be in support of who I am. These people were going to always have a problem with the work that I do, trying to control me, going to always be looking at all the women that they think are interested in me, which is always a problem. You know, they're on my social media, all kind of stuff, messaging people, like all kind of crazy stuff, because I did at the time, you know, have a lot of interest from a lot of women literally from all over the world. And they knew this before they even signed up. They knew this. As a matter of fact, they knew about each other, you know, before the second baby came along, the first one knew about the other one. So I never lied to any of these people, but 
at this point, I realized I needed a break. I needed a break from this real strong energy of people trying to control me. And of course, trying to control me for their own benefit. Like I couldn't deal with that. I really couldn't. And I had to get away from it. And, you know, that was the birth of the break that I talk about in the book, because real talk, I had never really been extensively single where I wasn't talking to some woman or involved with some woman or almost going to be with somebody. There was always somebody waiting in the shadows to be next or some, you know, I go somewhere and I'd meet a woman. Like it was, it was just too much. And I really did want to focus on my children. I really did want to focus on my career, my purpose. I really did want to focus on my stability and I just couldn't at this time. So the break that I took to write the book, it really became that point in my life where I realized, yo, I really do want more than just to be fucking women. I really do. Like I, I really do desire for a family. And yes, it's nice to have women who are extremely interested in you are going to do a lot of different things, but it's also kind of psychotic to have them willing to do all this crazy shit and they're not even the one they're not even willing to support your dreams and your goals actually going towards things at this time my other business is no one's in support of it all they want is to figure out when i'm coming over or what am i going to do for them and if i'm not i'm going to cause problems and I, I just couldn't deal with it anymore. And the truth is, my perspective wasn't this guy who was hiding and lying and and deceiving them. No, I wasn't. They knew what the fuck they signed up from before they signed up. And like I said, this whole back and forth thing that I did with these women that I conceived children with was going on for three years. Everybody knew what's up. You know, I was the one that was trying to escape from it, but was constantly being pulled back into it for the fact that I just wanted some stability. I just wanted some peace. And eventually I realized I wasn't going to get that. And that's when I decided that, Hey, listen, I'm not going to deal with any of you guys. We're just going to co-parent. And I created something that worked very, very well. But of course it didn't work for them because that's not what they wanted. So a lot of things had to change due to the fact that they would defect and begin to go against me. Once they realized that there was going to be no more intimate relationships between them and I. So these are some of the things that I didn't specifically talk about and, I, and one of the reasons I didn't talk about it so much because I knew that not every dude had this situation you know it's not very relatable to a lot of men especially if you're the type of dude who didn't get all this attention from women and didn't have them doing all kind of batshit crazy things to stick around in your life or to do this and do that like that's something that I'm pretty used to for the majority of my life and I didn't want it to seem like I'm just bragging about it because as a matter of fact the truth was I was fucking tormented by it I was trying traumatized by it by this time that I wrote my book. I had enough of it. And that's why I literally unplugged. And years after that, I would even go into as much as two years of singleness and celibacy because I was just so overwhelmed by the amount of women who are in my life or trying to fight for control instead of trying to be supportive of me. Like I just never got it. And I needed that space. I needed that break. And to this day, 
to this day, even though women are still there lingering around and, and, and I've had relationships, I do understand more now how difficult it is for the modern woman to be in support of a man who has a purpose bigger than just being in a relationship. They're so accustomed to men who base their whole entire lives around being validated by pleasing them. And, and it's definitely caused a huge divide between those women who are looking for these type of men to please them versus being with men like myself who are not that interested in every little thing that you want. I'm more interested in accomplishing these goals that I have, pursuing this purpose that I have. And I'm not only interested in women who are in harmony with that, not just women who say that they're in harmony with it, women who can actually get in where they fit in and become contributors and receive my love the way that I give it out, not demanding and forcing me to love them and forcing me to do this and that. That doesn't work for men like me. A lot of men who have not so strong masculine essence, that might work for you. <laughs> that shit don't work for me. I'm telling you, this book had a lot to do with the fact that I was literally bombarded with women. And that's why I'm such a big proponent of taking breaks from women, especially if you had anything like me. And even if you hadn't, even if you haven't had all the girls interested in you, then you don't have a long list of women waiting on you. Being able to take a break from them where you're not entertaining them at all for an extended period of time because you are more so dedicated to your life's purpose, that is my friend, that is where the magic in your life is created. You needed it. I needed it. And, you know, and I take the time whenever is necessary these days. The average man in America is highly stressed out. We live in a society where the food is highly estrogenic in nature. And as a result of the excessive amounts of estrogenic compounds found in our food, water, and air supply, men are literally suffering from epidemically low levels of testosterone. Low testosterone and high levels of stress literally equals an unhealthy man. Unfortunately, I can't make the stress go away. But what I can do is help you manage the stress with my line of premium adaptogenic herbs specifically for the male nervous system. Only available when you become a member of my Men's Wellness Club. Membership includes one, two, or even three of my premium adaptogenic herbs delivered to you monthly. These are all herbs clinically proven to help your body adapt to stress. These are all testosterone boosting and hormone regulating herbs that you will notice an immediate effect on your sex drive as well as your overall mood. Become a member of the Men's Wellness Club over at IamNakata.com. Another major, major reason why I had to write my book and it had to be the way it was, you know, the way that I expressed the content is because I was so angry. Like when you're the type of individual that I am and, and I know because of how many of you guys that I speak to that many of you are like me. I mean, not everybody, but enough. It's relatable. I know that. We literally hit our heads, especially in our 20s, for a couple years straight sometimes. Like, And what I mean by hit our heads is like we're literally dysfunctioning or behaving against what we've been taught or against a higher level of consciousness that we have, but we're just not using. And then at some point, whether that's in your 30s, 40s or later, because I work with men who are literally in their late 40s and sometimes 50s, 
whenever that big epiphany comes to you and you look back at the things that you were doing, it's got to motivate you. It's got to motivate you simply because it was never that clear to you then. And if only you had, you know, the maturity and the experience and the wisdom to avoid these things, you know, it, things would have turned out differently. So for me personally, I must say that there was a, a lot of anger behind not getting what I wanted out of those situations with the women and the family and the children and essentially realizing it was all my fault. You know what I'm saying? When I realized how much power I had, how my inactivity, my lack of development, the, whatever mistakes that I made, because none of us are going to look back at bad relationships that we had or traumatic experiences and think to ourselves, okay, I couldn't have done anything better. Like it is very rare that you're that person who did everything right. And it could be mighty arrogant of you to think that. But nonetheless, looking back at it angered me and it angered me a lot. And so I literally had a phase. It was like an awakening phase, realizing the mistakes that I made, realizing the individuals that I got myself entangled with, realizing, you know, the true essence of some people who perhaps I really just didn't see their flaws or what have you. Or I wasn't looking at them that deeply. Like I started to look at people differently and, and it lasted perhaps about nine months. And, you know, the writing process within itself is going to bring a lot of epiphany, truth and clarity to you about the things that you're upset about or, you know, disappointed in. But usually if you get to this point, a lot of clarity can come to your life from this. Me, my clarity came from anger. I was upset. I was legit upset, you know, and, and I've said this before in other places, but, you know, perhaps I was this spoiled man who was used to getting things exactly the way he wanted. As I was for the most part, you know, I put myself in a situation where I could be the difference maker. And there are a lot of men who who literally are difference makers. Do you understand what I'm saying? But it takes an exceptional woman to really recognize a man who's a difference maker and allow him to make that difference. You get what I'm saying? So the women are not conditioned to allow this. So it's great that you are this person, but you need to be this person for yourself. And, you know, for me, I the anger that I felt had a lot to do with everything that I said before, people not being listened to, you know, feeling, you know, bombarded with so many different women in my life, but also just the personal power that I knew that I had, I created all of this unconsciously. So I, I began to think to myself uh, incessantly that I can create what I do want, but I still had a learning curve. And that learning curve was really understanding the true nature, not just of the feminine that I want, but the darker side aspects of who the modern woman is today. You have to be realistic about the trauma. You have to be realistic about the influence that they've had. You have to be realistic. You have to learn who they are from a societal perspective because very few of the women are uniquely individually different from the programming that they've been taught. Even those who claim a certain level of uniqueness, you can easily see some of the, the societal programming, the programming that she got from her community, the programming she got from TV, the shows that she watched. You can see that on her.
And so you've got to learn that this is more than likely what you're going to get from a woman. And sure, since the majority are under the same influence, it's you who now has to be conscious and aware of the effect of this influence on you. Like some men can deal with a woman who's a little bit more feminist in principle, but some men absolutely cannot. And I'm one of those who absolutely cannot. So what I realized in one of my situations was I didn't recognize the closet feminist traits that she was displaying from long before her and I got intimately involved. And so I'm a little upset at myself for not recognizing these things. But the truth is, I wasn't that aware. You know what I'm saying? I was being told, you know, I had a big cousin who was who literally telling me everything. And I was just like, man, it's over the top. Like, I, I just never really had relationship problems. I always was with the girl that I like. I always had enjoyed my relationships with them. Not saying that we didn't have hiccups and, and this or that. But if it ever got to the point where I wasn't enjoying it, you know, the young me from my 20s, I ended it. You ain't going to see me again or hear from me again. For the first time in my life, I couldn't just do that. So that angered me. Like, I, I, I festered for months. And, of course, there were things that I was realizing And I just couldn't say it to the women in my life, including mother, including stepmother. There there were things I was realizing about all the women in my life that I'm just like, holy shit, like this shit pisses me off that I was so unconscious. You know what I'm saying? Like I was angry, man. I was very, very much angry. And at the same time, like literally I knew I had to control myself. I had to also learn how to distance myself. I realized when I don't like somebody, me personally, I can't fuck with you at all. And I know that comes from my upbringing. My father used to tell me in school, you know, when I went to school or whatever the case is, you know, he's like, you got two options. You're going to fight or flee. (laughs) You get what I'm saying? And if you can't, and if you can't fight, you need the fleet and you can't always fight. And so in certain situations where you've got children with people, they're your family members, you have to see them, whatever the case may be, there comes a point where fighting is just totally not the best option for you. So fleeing is, which means that you have to distance yourself. I swear, like when I was younger and I heard about men who left their families, moved out of state and, you know, and did all kind of different things. I used to think these men were weak. They used to think, how how dare he do that? You know, but I had to learn myself that I had to insulate myself. I had to insulate myself from these individuals because the vibration was so low and and it doesn't matter what. I did to make people upset or whatever the case is. It's when you're at a vibration where I'm not looking to make amends. I'm not looking to evolve the relationship. I'm not looking to be in support of him. And that's what many men who've been through situations like me have to come face to face with. The fact that you mated or created a child or married or was in a long term relationship with someone who is not truly interested in serving or doing anything that moves you towards your best interest they're not there to be in support of you the way you would like to be supported and the truth is when you find people like that whether family or intimate partners wives ex-wives you know mothers of your children when you find that this is what it is leave them the fuck alone it's okay to leave them the fuck alone because it's not okay to get excessively angry, explosively angry and go off and look like a fool and embarrass yourself in front of your children or embarrass yourself and your family. It's not that's not OK. I learned that 
early. And of course, that had to do with my father's tutelage. So when I found myself to a position where I was angry, man, I took away myself from others. Things happened also that allowed for me to retreat and have more space while I was riding. And I learned how to look out for my best interests because, you know, there are a lot of men that I talk to that are very similar to me because no one would ever guess that I would be one with some anger issues. I never allowed my anger issues to, to be a problem in my relationships. And the reason for that is because I never got with women prior to, you know, these situations that made me angry. (laughs) You get what I'm saying? I always got with feminine, pleasant women. But when a woman plays the femininity up front, but she really isn't, she's highly masculine or um, a feminist, low key, that type of shit angers me. So like when I discovered that women were playing these games, I, I was floored because I had only been with naturally feminine women prior to this experience in my life. Nobody was hiding anything. You get what I'm saying? And I guess that's what happens when you're in your early 20s or it just may be my luck. My luck was that I was very meticulous about the women that I chose to be in my life. And no matter how good they were, they were all going to be influenced by the the liberal feminist educational system and the variety of other social programmings that has women quite frankly, against men, but trying to be with us anyways. But given all that, I still had great relationships until I didn't because of my evolution. My evolution required more of these individuals and they did not have it to give, number one. And number two, I wasn't ready to be their teacher. I wasn't ready to take them to the next level with me. I didn't have that skill at that time. All I had was an aversion to what I didn't like, which resulted in me being angry at the circumstances that I experienced, the anger made it so I didn't stop writing. I needed to put that energy somewhere, you know, and I'm happy for it. But I talk to a lot of men these days in my coaching sessions and I can sense the anger, but there are two different type of angers. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's anger that is a result of consistent trauma. You know what I'm saying? Like consistent trauma and social conditioning that you've become this way because that's how you were taught. And the trauma is stress inducing, which changes the natural way that you are. And then there's this other anger that it's based on principle and not everybody has it because sometimes you could be angry that somebody stepped on somebody's toe and they didn't deserve that and they didn't apologize to them. So you're angry for that person. That's based on principle. There's some principle that when broken do require a certain amount of energy to deal with and to address. For me personally, I was upset at myself for the rules and the principles that I broke that had me in a situation where now it's going to cost me literally hundreds of thousands of dollars just to make this situation right because I I didn't recognize that people were so against me. I didn't recognize that this so-called love that they were offering me wasn't real love. I didn't recognize so many different things. I was angry at my father. I was angry at my mother. I was angry at my stepmother. I was angry at all the people who didn't prepare me for a woman's scorn. You get what I'm saying? And for men, we don't understand in many cases because we don't understand their trauma. You know, we're thinking, well, what did I do? Like, why are you even so mad? Like, if you so, if you love me, why would you even do this type of shit? And, but the truth is they're highly traumatized. And this is especially applicable to a guy who didn't come from a lot of trauma. Didn't have a lot of childhood trauma. Didn't have a lot of relationship trauma. I ain't gonna lie. I never seen my father argue with no woman. 
not including his wife. You get what I'm saying? I didn't come up in a situation like that. So, you know, for me, having these loud arguments and all that type of shit, like to this day, that's something that I don't deal well with. You know, I'm 28 years old, 29 years old, going on 30 years old, having to deal with this stuff for the first time. That shit was traumatizing and this shit made me angry because guess what? I couldn't use power and force to get my way out of the situation. You get what I'm saying? So definitely me personally, there's a level of principled anger that I had and that, and, and that I still have. And I feel as if every man should have some principled anger because when the principle is broken, the anger motivates you to do something about it. You get what I'm saying? It really does. You know, I felt heard when I wrote and eventually I learned to live with writing and expressing myself to the world versus wasting my energy trying to be heard by women, my family and all this other places. It helped me to dissipate the anger. And and, and I know for everybody, it's something different, but you've got to find those outlets that suit your talents and your skills to let that frustration go, to let that bitterness go, to let that anger and that resentment go, to let that you know feeling of depression go like we all have to have these things for me writing a book was it and really it's been five years but it's still only the very beginning for me in how i use my arts my talents and my purpose to transmute some of the energies that i really can't process by myself we have to learn how to go to this level within ourselves in order to help ourselves grow as we should be What's up, guys? I know you hear me talking about the coaching that I do. You can connect with me for coaching at my website, IamNakata.com and HeartOnBreak.com for one-on-one coaching sessions that dig deeper than just why the relationship failed, why she broke up with you, because I understand that many men are coming from this position to really wake up and take life seriously. Many of us have been totally distracted by the desires of pursuing relationships and have never been really challenged to know themselves. Man, know thyself and to thyself be true. The metaphysical coaching that I do provides you with an opportunity to know yourself on a metaphysical level, energetically speaking, so that way you can better understand your life's purpose, better understand your relationship compatibilities, and better understand who you're supposed to work with, the light and shadow sides of the energies that you possess. You won't regret it. You can run your chart for free at jovianarchive.com before you book a session with me. I look forward to working with you. Like I mentioned earlier, I didn't know what to expect from writing this book. All I knew was I had to. And these reasons that I'm giving you were, were all boiling up inside of me. Like seriously, they had a lot to do with why it was so therapeutic for me to write this book. But here is another reason why I literally had to write the book. And honestly, I feel as if this one is the basis of the whole entire movement that Heart and Break has created for men who have been in the position that I've been in. And that's the realization of my value, despite my mistakes, despite my mistakes. One of the things that I said in the book was this. After I realized the impact that I had on others I realized that I was the best thing since sliced bread just yesterday, just last week, just a few weeks ago when you needed me, when I was serving you, when it was convenient for you, when I was kinder to you, when I was closer to you, whatever the case may be. 
I had all this value. I was so great. I was the best thing since sliced bread. But now that I realize what you've been doing behind my back, now that I realize all the plots that you made, now that I realize the manipulation that you've been playing, you know what I'm saying? The low key closet feminist stuff that I realized, not just in the women I was involved with, but all the women in my life. Once you realize all of this stuff, you have to figure out what is your true value anyways? What is your true value moving forward? You get what I'm saying? Like what was real about what you gave? A lot of this came from my best friend, Lorenzo Wright, may he rest in peace. You know, he was there literally saying to me and pointing out to me all the high value things that I was doing in these situations and telling me because you are doing this and because you're doing that, you are not deserving of this or that. Now, initially, when he was telling me these different things, my mind was more around like, why? Why would she do this? Why is this not easier? Like, what's the problem? What am I doing wrong? What can I do better? I was looking at myself and I still recommend for men to look at themselves for a long enough period of time to keep you from actually ODing on what she did or what they're doing because staying focused on you in the beginning will lead to some answers. However, depending on what type of person you are, you might focus on yourself and blame yourself almost entirely and that'll never that'll never be the truth. You will never be deserving of all the blame for a situation because there's no way as a high value person or a person who's doing for others and being there for others, even if things didn't work out right, there's no way that what you've contributed was not worth anything. You get what I'm saying? You can't just blame yourself and you know, when I wrote my book, I was still in that phase of really understanding what I did wrong. And to be honest, when I wrote the book, I didn't fully understand everything about what the women in my life were doing. I didn't understand the games that they were playing fully. I just knew that they were playing games. I didn't really have the logic to fully understand what they were doing, why they were doing, what caused this, or what I know now, such as the trauma responses, the upbringing, the social programming, the lies, the body count from the other men, the not having a father, the various things that I started to pay more attention to after I wrote the book and after I got out of the relationship. But when I was in it, I was really only trying to make it work from my perspective. Because, you know, at the end of the day, is really all about you. You can't blame others for what they didn't do or what they did to you if you allowed it. The truth is people will use you as their favorite tool or toy and make it seem like you don't matter. And what you really need to understand about that is this. If you're their favorite tool or toy, you're likely their favorite tool or toy because of your effectiveness as a tool or a toy. So let's say, for example, you're the tool that gets her from point A to B. So that means that you got a car or you have the means to pay for her transportation or you wake up to take her places or do things for her. You're her favorite tool because you got it to give. This is a big deal. If you have it to give to someone and they're using you, it means that you have use. If you're her favorite toy, that could mean you're her favorite sex toy. So what does that mean? You're, you're her favorite, given that she's probably been with other men, many men before you likely, but you're her favorite. Why? Because you're good at it. There's value in being good at that. 
So that means if you're the only one that blows her back out and give her those orgasms without using your tongue, you're special. You understand what I'm saying? And you're her favorite for a reason. But when they treat you or make it seem like what you give to them, that they're always willing to accept from you, right? When they make it seem like it does not matter, it's a part of the conditioning to essentially lower your value. And a lot of men are accustomed to this kind of treatment from women who they give a lot to. You do a lot for her. You show up a lot for her. And, you know, sure, she may give you a thank you, but she doesn't give you the treatment that shows that she appreciates this role that you play in her life. And many in many cases, they don't know how to do that. But that's no excuse. That's no excuse for you to allow it to be like that. There's no excuse for your high value, your utility, all the things that you're doing. There's no excuse for them to make it seem like it doesn't matter and isn't of value. One of the things I said in the book and, and I'll continue to say is that people love to use the word, oh, I appreciate you. Well, most of the times it's just really a thank you. You know, being truly appreciative of another means that your appreciation, your thankfulness for what they do for you increases their value. Think about that. Think about it seriously. So let's say, for example, in the workplace, you do something particularly well. You do it for your coworker and everybody else starts coming to you and says, yo, you know how to do this really, really good. Well, it started with the other person who said, hey, he knows how to do this really, really good. You need to go to him. And all of a sudden, everyone in the workplace is coming to you. So what does that really mean? It means that your value is increasing. You are appreciating. The person who actually knows how to give back value to you is appreciating you because for what you do for them brings you more value, more recognition, more whatever it is. So your value actually increases like real estate. You buy the house 400, you sell it within a year or two, it's 115. Within five years, it's 150. That's real appreciation. People who mistreat you and sleep on your value and literally try to give you less and less and less while they take more are not appreciative of you. That's not appreciation because your value is not going up. They're not seeing to it that your value goes up. And in many cases, you have women who are going to treat you as such because they do not want your value to go up too high because what's that going to do? That's going to bring in more attention on you and in her competitive mind, somehow make her feel like her value is not as high. Well, in some cases, her fucking value is just not as high. Yours is high and appreciating and she'll do anything that she can to keep yours from ascending. And that's not who you want to be with. That's not who you want to be around. You don't want to continue giving to people like this. Me, myself, this is a big lesson that I had to learn. Even though in those relationships, I did somewhat get played. You get what I'm saying? And I gave a lot to people who never had it given before. To this day, these women have never been treated better than I treated them. You get what I'm saying? And this is my own personal situation. This is my own personal situation. Like I said, man, this is personal. This podcast is going to be personal. Some of the things that I didn't feel comfortable talking about before. You know, life has moved on and things have changed and, and in many ways they've remained the same. So, you know, this is what it is for me personally. And a lot of us, we learn differently. So even when a man naively gives of himself to ungrateful people, your giving is a part of your value. You really got to understand that not because somebody took it and didn't appreciate it doesn't mean that it wasn't worth anything. 
That's what I had to learn about my situation because I find myself having to talk about these things afterwards. And now I would hear people say, well, I sure would have loved to have somebody treat me like that. I sure would have loved this. I sure would have, well, that was good. This was good. And people will point out some of the things that I was doing good, but I was too fixated on what I wasn't doing good and the fact that I wasn't getting what I wanted. So of course that led to a level of frustration that clouded my judgment to the point where I really didn't see my value. And that's the thing. You're just not really going to see your value very well when people don't appreciate you. But it doesn't mean that you're not valued and it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be appreciated. You should. So in my case, you know, at this time around the time I wrote the book, I'm guilty of not being mature enough, not being strong enough, not being this or that enough. I'm guilty of whatever I didn't do correctly. I'm not going to deny the fact that I got much of the relationship part wrong. But the reality for my life was that I had way more women chasing me than I ever was chasing them. You get what I'm saying? And they wanted to be with me for a reason. I had two women who wanted to be with me simultaneously for a reason. But here's the thing. They wanted to make it seem like I'm obligated to be with them. And the purpose of that for you to feel obligated that they are your responsibility. The children are your responsibility, but they don't have any responsibility to you to make you feel good, to give you the love that you need, to make you feel appreciated and so forth, so on. You get what I'm saying? So I had to realize that it may seem vain to some. It may seem unimportant to some. But at the end of the day, nobody had to tell me to go get a job. Nobody had to go tell me to go work. Nobody had to tell me to go hustle. Nobody had to tell me to take care of my children. Nobody had to tell me none of these basic things. My parents were already telling me that I was already taught this stuff. So that wasn't a part of any of our relationships. They wanted me for a reason. You get what I'm saying? And the reason was who I was and who I was becoming, but they would never be the ones to tell me that. So when a man finds himself given a lot of who he is and showing who he is becoming in premature relationships where it's unappreciated, sometimes stepping away, taking that break and really gathering yourself should put you in a position to understand that you were bringing value. You still have value. Do you understand what I'm saying? It takes a lot these days for a man to really, really screw up his core value, because if you have it to begin with, you can develop it and it can increase. But once you've been conditioned, particularly by women, to not appreciate your value, to not stand by your value, then it goes downhill from there. You'll easily find yourself in another relationship where women are abusing you, taking advantage of you, taking from you, and really not giving you back in return what you seek. And really and truly, guys, that's why you need to know your love language. You need to understand what you desire in a relationship, because if you give a lot, it doesn't matter how much you give. What you're looking for is a certain kind of love in return. And that's fair to ask for. So if you like it this way, if you like a woman who cooks, if you like a woman who cleans, if you like a woman who, you know, you can talk to, who talks to you well, and you're not getting these things for what you're given, then you need to go and get it. You need to make sure that she knows what it is that you want so she can give it. And if she can't, you have to put yourself in a better position to get what you need because it's not just 
oh, I'm asking for too much. At some point, it's about what you need. You know, everyone has different love needs. And this is why I always recommend the book um, Love Languages because it's such an important aspect to understanding what you need and what your partner needs. It's a two-way street. Because if what you naturally give without even being asked to give is something that she needs and values greatly, you may not even see it for the value that it is because you naturally give it. But the truth is, it's highly important to that person. And it's quite unfair if you cannot get back the love in return that you need for yourself. You don't want to put yourself through this shit. I've been there. You do not want to do it. You do not want to do it. And if you're not in a position, meaning you're not mature enough to actually teach a woman how to meet your needs, then you need to end it. Because many of us are just not in that position when we're in our 20s like I was. I wasn't even capable of showing a woman this, that, and that, and how to tend to me. I thought women just fell in line because they liked you. No, they like you and they'll pretend that they're falling in line, but they will not always know how to give you what you need. And this is why knowing yourself as a man is so important. And, you know, knowing yourself after you break up in these situations and being able to assess what you did is so important, you know, because I was determined not to be a man whose future was in perils because I chose the wrong women to mate with. I didn't want my prospects of marriage and finding a good partner to be over just because I fucked up. And it could have easily been if I just continued to give without expecting any value in return. I wanted my new and future partners to see my value and my impact regardless of my past. So I gave this, I have this capacity. I am good at doing this, but this is what I'm looking for. You know, so this is a very important component to anything, whether it's a job that fired you where you weren't appreciated. There's got to be something of value that you provided or gave. And what makes it even more valuable is when you provided it or gave it consistently and everyone knows that you're good at it. I've been in jobs where I was the most talented person in my department, but I just wasn't the most talented communicator. I didn't know how to get along with my bosses. I didn't know how to blend in. I didn't know how to play it cool at times. So no matter how talented I was, I wasn't going to be there very long because I had other skills I needed to develop. So when I got fired or things happened and I learned, I learned how to do other things, but my value, what I gave was still there, was still always intact. You have to be able to realize what your value is and how your value increases or appreciates despite any mistakes that you've made in relationships with women. For me, I started to realize my value even more during this time of my life. I started to realize everything that I was given. Yeah, I realized my fuck ups too. That's why I wrote a book about it. I held myself accountable and I still hold myself accountable. But in reality, everything ain't always going to be your fault. You get what I'm saying? So know your value, know your worth, no matter what bad happened to you, no matter if you got played, no matter if she took and stole from you, no matter if she lied, no matter what she did, understand the value of who you were in that relationship, in that situation, at that job and build on it. Don't allow for anyone to take that away from you or else you'll be in repetitive cycles where people do not appreciate you and it's not going to be good for who you are and who you're becoming. The final reason that I'll go into why I felt like I had to write hard on break around the time I did is a little bit more comedic. And I mentioned it earlier, but it's this. 
I literally got tired of people telling me that my life sounded like a reality TV show. And, you know, initially, I would literally sit there and be like, hmm, what do you mean? Like, I don't even fucking watch reality TV shows, but I know how sloppy and how, you know, low class these things are. So like when I would mention just a few things and people would be like, yo, that should sound like a movie. That should sound like a, a reality TV show. I would get offended because I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm not even no reality TV show dude. So what the fuck? Like, and it really did, you know, make me think extensively, like, what am I doing for my friends and others to when I tell them what's going on or some of the things that's happening in my life for them to literally say, hey, bro, like this should sound like some real wives of Atlanta or shit like that. Eventually, after hearing enough of that, eventually I started to look at it as, OK, well, maybe this is a part of the marketing aspect of this. Maybe it is funny. Maybe it is entertaining. You know, it just wasn't fucking entertaining to me. You get what I'm saying? It, I wasn't enjoying it at all. But around 2015, 2016, I would tune into some of these reality TV shows that they were watching and realize that, oh, snap, like, I, I, I am literally doing this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This is literally happening like this she is literally watching this stuff and emulating it in our relationship holy smokes what the hell is going on here but by then it was you know it was a little bit more comedic to me even though I did use that as a, another way of checking myself because during that time I was really big into my health coaching like 24 2014, 15, 16, you know, my farms that I was doing at local farms in Fort Lauderdale area, I was working with them, you know, I was doing like really lame shit to tell you the truth that to other people, I'm helping people lose weight, you know, I'm, I'm building farms with people, I'm doing school gardens, uh, my, my nonprofit organization, I build hydroponic and, you know, soil gardens in schools locally in my city you know I was a brand ambassador to supplement companies so you know like I didn't seem like anybody who had like a real wives of Atlanta type of thing going on in my life but it really was happening and to tell you the truth I was literally on the verge of creating a health and wellness book something based on my farms I was writing that but I literally could never get any time to do this because I was literally bombarded with all the issues that I was having in my life at the moment. And like I said, most of this stemmed from having children with the wrong people or having children with people who weren't compatible with me. Yeah, I don't know if it's fair to call them the wrong people. The kids are here. You get what I'm saying? But the truth is, there wasn't much compatibility with who I was becoming. You know, I was looked upon as this weird, semi-cool dude. I had some bitches back in the day who would call me a gangster nerd. You know, so I was doing these little things and I had purpose. I had purpose behind the farms. I had purpose behind the health coaching, you know, the brand ambassadorship. I knew what I wanted moving forward in the future but of course you know women would look at me like yo you do some weird shit so you know my life consisting of these things people certainly did not expect for me to write a book about relationships or taking a break from relationships finding purpose and all these different things they didn't expect that because all they saw was this dude who was health coaching you know was a brand ambassador for you know garden of life sun warrior some of the biggest companies that at that time who were doing supplements and nutrition and all these different things and i was doing good there but i was never able to focus on it simply because so 
so much was happening in my relationship. So much was happening in my life. So me being a person that never watched reality shows, all I knew is that my mom did. My mom watched that stuff. And I later realized that one of the women that I was entangled with was an avid fan of all the dysfunctional relationship reality TV shows. And she was literally bringing that energy every single day. And in some cases, she brought it almost purposefully. She brought it from this perspective like, yo, this shit's going to be crazy. Cause like, that's what it was. It was a lot of crazy shit. It was a lot of stalker is shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'd be at work wondering if this chick is going to show up or she'd be ringing off my phone. And at the time, like this one, she, she knew somebody in a high position at my job. So I'd be like, yo, gosh, it was the worst thing. It was the worst fucking thing. I was so freaking bombarded with all of these different energies. I knew not what to do. And, you know, People here and there were literally saying to me, yo, bro, you should make a movie on your life. You should do this. You should do that. You should you should make a movie on that time when she tried to follow you back to your job and stalk you and come to your house and wait with the baby. And <laughs> it was crazy. I was definitely embarrassed by it. And, you know, I, as you can see in the book, like I would never really allude to any of these things happening. I just tried to draw the lessons from what I learned from it. But it was definitely reality TV show shit for real. And as a matter of fact, I've been approached by some folks about creating movies and skits and, and maybe a, a short film on some of these things that happen because so many men have gone through it. And when they go through it like I did, we're viewed as the problem. We're viewed as the ones who are causing the drama. We're viewed as the reason why she behaves like this. But I've learned from watching them do this shit that I had nothing to do with why she behaved like this. She saw this shit on hip hop and love and, and decided that this is a version or this is a behavior that she wanted to, to emulate and bring to our relationship straight up. And of course, the other one, she I don't talk about them too much openly and candidly, but she was a straight up different type of individual, which, you know, I'll go more into on other episodes talking about her type of personality. But the other one, she loved the drama. She fucking loved the drama and she she did all of this stuff intentionally like plotted and schemed uh teamed up with the other one all kind of crazy stuff that i wasn't even really aware of but she was watching all that shit she was like a suburban chick who really i mean i'm talking about top-notch suburban like never really had to worry about shit you get what i'm saying when she was coming up fully taken care of her parents could have paid for her to go to harvard if if she wanted but she really wanted to be like this you know hood chick or whatever the case is and i guess somewhere along the line she saw an opportunity to be more of that with me because i'm not no hood dude straight up but i do have half of my family's kind of hood and it's kind of obvious when she gets around them that damn these people are real straight up these people are they'll cuss you out you know what i'm saying somebody they might do some crazy shit tonight and she liked that shit she really did but she didn't understand that you know that wasn't all of me i'm 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 half breed i'm I'm come from that and i come from another side of my family who you know who don't even cough without saying excuse me (laughs) you know what i'm saying who will look at you crazy if you don't set the table properly all kind of 
bourgeoisie type of shit. You know, I come from both realities, but she liked that street culture. She liked that. And she had already been striving to be this type of person and watching these really ridiculous ass reality shows. She just incorporated it in everything that we did. And, you know, for some folks, like I would tell people what happens to me and my brothers and other people, my cousins, my friends, everybody will just break out laughing and they'll just be like, yo, this is crazy. Like, you really went through that? All that's going on? Damn, man. I didn't expect for you to go through none of this. I didn't expect for you to go. I heard that over and over and over and over. And so, like, I learned eventually at this point to make light of it. You know, I could laugh at it right now because I'm totally, you know, disconnected from that, even though this may be who someone still is. I, I, really, I don't really give a damn. I'm out of their space for them to affect me with this low vibrational shit. And we're all here working on ourselves, trying to be better versions of ourselves and, you know, evolving to people who eventually, no matter how I speak right now, have a heart to forgive people and to move on if they stop the bullshit. You get what I'm saying? Just like I was saying in the part of the anger that I have, there are principles that govern certain things. So if people continue to treat you like shit, you leave them alone, regardless of what attachments that you got, regardless of how you'll seem in the eyes of others. You have to have standards that you're going to stick to no matter what. So yeah, man, <laughs> this pretty much wraps up this episode of the I Am Nakata podcast. And these are all the reasons, for the most part, at that time in my life, why I had to write Heart on Break. And as you guys know, you know, this book has been a big part of everything that I've been doing for the last five years, as well as a big part of the manosphere in the sense that, you know, a lot of guys were just literally talking about how to score with women, how to, you know, get more girls and to level up and make a lot of money, you know, but me as a young person, like, you know, I'm, I'm coming into this space at, you know, 32 years old after I write this book and seeing what men are talking about on the internet. I'm like, yo, I already did six figures. I did that in my 20s. Like, I've done that more times than most of these dudes on the internet talking about doing real shit, not, not behind smartphones and cameras, shucking and jiving, uh, entertaining motherfuckers, but from hard work. I've traveled the world. I did all of that. I didn't want to bring a perspective of how much money I've amassed and how much success I've done to the space. I wanted to bring what I learned from this experience, which is to value myself, to value my purpose, to, to not put people, not even my family, not even my children, to not put them or anything ahead of what is my life's purpose, what I'm meant to do here. Like, because as a man and as a father, you will feel inclined to put everyone in your life ahead of you. And when you do that, bro, when you do that, it, it only works if the women and the people you're, 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 you're putting first put you first. And it didn't work for me because none of the people who I was willing to put first would ever do the same for me. And once I realized that and and also realized that that's how the majority of the people in my life or in most people's lives that I know are. I stopped. I placed myself first. Like I talk about in the book, I learned how to be selfish, selfish for the long run. Because if you're a single father like I am and you understand what you want to build for yourself and what you want to pass along to your children, but it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. 
When you first have children with women, when you first get in relationships, everybody's on the sprint to show who's ahead, show who's leading. And in many cases, you know, they think that just because they won the 100 meter that they're the strongest, fastest and have the most endurance. And that's totally not the case. A hundred meters is just a part of the whole race. So this whole thing of being a father, of finding your purpose, your maturation as a man, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So sometimes if you didn't get started really good in the sprint portion of the race where you needed to pick up speed and pick up pace, don't be dismayed. You get what I say? Don't be dismayed. It's a marathon. You got to get yourself together, get your breath together, get your stride together. If you had to stop, stop. But do not allow people to think that you're finished or you're through just because you didn't start off so well. You don't always end the way you start. You get what I'm saying? And this is what people really need to understand. Do what you need to do to manifest who you're becoming. All of these experiences that happened to me were totally outside of my realm of reality that I expected for myself. But it taught me so much. Like I literally have been in a fucking reality TV show. I don't need to be in one anymore. I lived that shit. You get what I'm saying? I literally gave high value treatment, high value love. I literally showed up for people who were more concerned with who was liking my pictures on Facebook or, or Instagram. They were more concerned with that than they were with me. You get what I'm saying? Like I literally lived the life where I gave true value, didn't get what I wanted in return, was willing to, you know, bite my time because I hoped that people will become reciprocal at some point. I hope that we will learn how to do things together despite, you know, your dislike for me, your jealousy, your your hate, your trauma and various other things. You know, you look past all the negative things and focus on the positive. But the truth is when people are too fucked up to focus on the good, they will focus on the bad. That's point blank period. And in those cases, their healing is their responsibility. And the best that you can do is take yourself away from them. Focus on you. Be selfish and serve what you need to conserve. So that way you can give what you need to give, because you never know in a year, two, 10 years or even 20 years, you doing what you did benefits your children, your family, or even them themselves in ways that they would have never expected when they began acting like fucking buffoons, when they made the decision to be against you rather than being in support of you. At the end of the day, this is what I want all men to know. Like I was able to transmute all the negativity that was happening in my life, all the frustration, all the misunderstanding. Like, like I said, like writing this book didn't make me an authority on these relationships that were going bad in my life because they're still a problem in some ways. You get what I'm saying? It's just that I'm not in their reach, but there's still a problem in some ways. People have to deal with themselves. And if they don't, you trying to deal with them will forever be a problem until they find the healing that they need. So long podcast probably won't have any as long as this anymore. But, you know, as usual, guys, I'm available for one on one coaching, metaphysical coaching in the sense of helping you to find and follow your life's purpose, helping you to deal with some of these dysfunctional relationships that you're probably entangled in because of children or because of whatever other reasons. You know, I have tools to help you see what you need to see in these situations, starting with yourself. So that way you can learn how to move beyond them, because for many of us, 
being stuck in these type of energies in these type of situations, like I said in the book, situationships, um, being stuck here really does take away from who you are and who you're becoming. You usually get labeled as this type of guy. Like I said earlier, like I was afraid of being the dude that has three, four and five different children with three, four, five different women. And, you know, I'm more open and accepting of that if that's a part of my reality these days because I've learned a few things that hey I am actually here to spread my seed I'm I've just been the one who's been ultra cautious about it and you know when I wasn't cautious about it I let off two with two different people who weren't suited to be with me who had issues of their own that they had to deal with and I had issues of my own that I had to deal with at that time but I still provided value and I know I provided value because they the ones that said I still got your cards I still got your t-shirts I still got all the momentums that (laughs) you know that you gave to me that showed me or told me how much you appreciated me in that moment or how much you love me in that moment or whatever the case is. I'm still that same dude. I'm just never coming back to lay down in the bed with none of you motherfuckers. I'm just not naive anymore. And and I won't play that game in any relationship anymore. That's just it. So anyways, guys, let me know. Hardonbreak.com for coaching. I am Nakata.com for more information on this podcast. Please share it with others and I'm always looking for your feedback. Let me know what you think. Is any of this familiar to you? Have you been through it? How are you managing? This is Nakata guys. Take it easy. Pardon the interruption. If you're enjoying the content that I'm sharing here on this brand new podcast, guys, please do your boy a favor and leave some reviews, leave some comments, like, share, do all that stuff. I would certainly appreciate any support that I get from you guys. And as usual, you can connect with me at IamNakata.com.